comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to preach and teach the word of faith for people to know God better, live life better, and impact their world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. It's a joy to come your way once again. We thank God for the opportunity to see a new month. Uh, a lot has happened in the past months, and I believe that God is still on the throne. The Bible says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His faithfulness never comes to an end. They are new every morning. And this new month, I have no doubt that the mercies of God shall be extended to you afresh. And I want to encourage you to be actively be part of this fasting and prayer season. This is our fresh fire week. The Bible says, In that day his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and the yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. And the anointing of God is freshened up every time. And so I think that it's important that you seize this fine opportunity. Most of us sometimes in the course of the month we are not able to fully make time for God. This is a specially designed moment that is supposed to help you plan your month with God. Seek God's face at the early part of a month so that you can make the most of a month. That's what this fresh fire week is all about. And as we wait on God together beginning from today, Thursday and Friday, I see a fresh release of grace coming upon you. Shall we bow down our heads even as we get into the word of God for tonight. This is our communion service, which also marks the beginning of our fresh fire week for the month of May. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for the months past. We thank you for January. We thank you for February. We thank you for March. We thank you, Lord, for the events of the past months. And we thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to be alive in yet another month. Thank you that blessed is your name because you daily loaded us with benefits. Thank you for the benefits loaded already in this month for us. Thank you that for everyone hooked up to this service and every member of this family, this month their own package shall be delivered to them. We honor you and we bless you that grace will be given us even as we wait on you from today all the way to Friday in the name of our Lord Jesus. We thank you and we bless you for it. In Jesus' matchless name. Tonight, I yield my members to you, my thought, my mind, every part of my being to you. I ask the Lord you grant me grace and all trance. Let your word come with understanding and insight. Challenge us, change us, and most importantly, prepare us for that which you are set to do, even in our times. In Jesus' matchless name. Amen. God richly bless you for joining us. I want to encourage you. Share the video. Invite your friends. Call them to 
be part of what God is doing at this time. I believe that what I'm about to start will be a great blessing for you. This is a teaching that I would have really loved to see your face to teach it to you. But as it is, it's also important that we roll it out because I'm sure that in this season, a lot of things are flying around on radio, on television. People are saying all kinds of things about this particular subject. And I, I feel that as your pastor, I need to bring you God's perspective on the subject and to help you to also understand what is happening as far as this area or this particular subject is concerned. But we are still in our broader series which we've been running with in the month of April and it's understanding the times and seasons. So you come with me to our text, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Acts chapter 1 verse 4, actually all the way to 11, Jesus, it gives us an account of after Jesus resurrected, when he appeared to some of his saints prior to his ascension. This was recorded there. The disciples were concerned about the times and seasons. They asked him, will you at this time restore unto us the kingdom? And Jesus told them that, well, concerning the times and the seasons, he says, he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father had put in his own power. Now, it's important you, are, you realize that when it comes to the times and the seasons, particularly as it relates to the subject we are going to be dealing with tonight, most times people want to know. There's a lot of things, a lot of people are concerned. They want to know. Sometimes they want to know out of fear. Sometimes they want to know out of a heightened sense of anticipation. And it's good. God would always give us the knowledge that we need to have. And scripture helps us to appreciate that. It's good. The Bible says that the men of Issachar had understanding of the times because they knew what to do. When we understand the times, we are better placed to take the right action. And so tonight, having considered the time of life in, our, in, in, in answer to our broad question, what time or times are we in? We looked at the time of life. We've touched on the time to own your health. We've looked at the time to unite as a nation. And we looked at the time to change. I didn't finish the time to change, but I, I just need to move on. Maybe sometime I may come back to it. Tonight and the, maybe the, the few days ahead of us, I want to look at end times. End times or what they call the last days. End times or the last days. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 to 5. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 to 5. But know this. Take note. It's, it's something that you need to know. When it comes to the events of the last days, the events of the end times, you need to know. The Bible said, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. When the Bible talks about perilous times, it's talking about difficult times, distressing times, hard to bear times. Then he says, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, verse 3, unforgiving, unloving, slanderous, 
without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. My concern is with verse 1 and I would want you to follow me closely because in this teaching we'll be doing a lot of readings because that is what will help you to be able to appreciate what I, I seek to share with you. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Take note of the word, the last days. Second Timothy, second Peter 3, verse 1 to 3. Second Peter 3, verse 1 to 3. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Verse 3. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust. He said, knowing this, take note again, scoffers will come in the last days. The word last days is what in theological circles they refer to as eschatology. And when we talk about eschatology in biblical theology, we are simply talking about the study, the, the study of biblical teaching that concerns the second coming of Christ, the resurrection of the dead, judgment, the destiny of the wicked, the rewards of the righteous and the millennial rule of Christ. When we talk about eschatology, that is in brief. All of these have to do with eschatology. That is the study of the last days and the events that surrounds it. You remember in the book of Matthew chapter 24 verse 3 to 4, the Bible said, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming? And of the end of age. He said, tell us, when would these things be? In verse 2, Jesus had told them that not a single, uh, do you not see that these things, actually I said to you, not one stone shall be left upon another. That shall not be thrown down. With reference to the temple of Jerusalem. The moment Jesus said that, they said, well, if you have brought up the subject, we also have been thinking about it. We've been wondering, when would the end, what will be the end of age? When can we say that the world is about to end? Like many people are predicting and many people are saying all kinds of conspiracy theories are going on in these times. Some are true, some others cannot be so much trusted. I just want to help you to get a biblical perspective and to help you to appreciate, relate to it in a very practical way. The events of the end time are not shrouded in a mystery. They are not things that you need to be a theologian to be able to understand. There are simple, straightforward scriptural answers as it relates to the end, the, the events of the end time. All through scripture, again and again, you see that people have always been concerned about the events of the end time. The disciples went to Jesus and told him, tell us, when shall the end be? When are you going to return? How can we tell that your return time is due? Again, when this was while he was with them. You remember when he died and resurrected in the book of Acts. He said, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? 
you have died, you have resurrected. Are you going to restore the kingdom to us now? Is the world going to end now? Are we going to take dominance? Are we going to rule? Is it time for us to take dominion? Look at verse 7. He says, Jesus spoke to them and he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power, verse 8, after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. So, what I seek to establish right from the word go is to let you know that people have always been concerned and preoccupied with the events of the last days. But if you look into scripture again and again, every time people express concern or heightened anticipation or anxiety about the coming of Christ, God came in or Jesus came in specifically to alleviate their fears and their concerns. When I was a child, I remember that most of the times, every time the second coming, the subject on the end times or the second coming of Christ was taught, it was always taught to heighten your fears. And till tomorrow, there are Christians when they hear of events of the second coming, like you heard me, that I'm going to teach about end times, you are immediately wondering, am I going to make it? All kinds of thoughts are running through your mind. It always exudes some kind of anxiety, some kind of fear. But is that the way a Christian ought to relate with the events of the end times? Exactly not. God does not want you to relate to the events of the end times with fear and anxiety. For the Christian to hear of the coming of Christ should be a source of joy and great excitement, not of worry and of anxiety. Particularly if you are born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, and you are looking forward to the day of his return. That's why it's important. So, my focus in this teaching is to help you to have a biblical perspective as far as this subject is concerned and to properly position yourself and relate with it in a way that makes sense, in a way that can help you to be able to make it. And because I know certainly without the shadow of doubt, I didn't believe Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will certainly make it. Nevertheless, there are some important things we need to know as we await his coming. So here we are told, he says, concerning the times and the seasons, I don't want you to be ignorant. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you, you have no need that I should write to you, for you know, you yourselves perfectly know that the day of our Lord so comes as a thief in the night. I believe it's important that we appreciate how Christ will come. He says the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So obviously when Paul was talking about the times and the seasons that he, there's no need for him to write, there's, it's actual context. I know I've used it in many uh, of my earlier teachings in other contexts, but the actual context of this scripture had to do with the second coming of the Lord. The second coming of the Lord. Many people over the years, many Christians, have had different attitudes and behave themselves in a certain bizarre way when it comes when it comes to the second coming of the Lord. Some decide to abandon themselves, not to do anything, and just wait for the coming of the Lord. And much of that we will see in the book of First and Second Thessalonians. In my preparation for this teaching, I decided to uh, stay and spend some time studying the book of First 
and Second Thessalonians because of all Apostle Paul's letters. These two letters, First and Second Thessalonians, seem to be his most eschatological letters. In other words, in these two letters, the apostles spent a great deal of time addressing the subject of the coming of the Lord. All, of all his many books, there is not one of them in which he addresses the subject of the second coming of Christ like he takes time to do in the first and second book of Thessalonians. So we'll read a few of them to, just to help you get a perspective. First Thessalonians chapter 1, he starts by talking about it. First Thessalonians chapter five, 1 verse 9 to 10, he said, For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we have to you, and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living God, the true, the living and true God. Verse 10. He says, and to wait for his son from heaven. Take note. To wait from his, for his son from heaven. Whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. This was Paul in acknowledging. This was a letter he wrote to encourage the Thessalonian Christians. They had come to faith in the Lord and he's writing to them. And among the things he addresses in his first letter to them is the need to wait for the second coming of the Lord. Now look at chapter 2 verse 19. Chapter 2 verse 19. For what is our hope and our joy and crown of rejoicing? Is it not even in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? So first he talks about waiting for the coming of the Lord from heaven. Then he goes on to talk about what is our hope, what is our rejoicing at his coming. Is it not you at the presence of his coming? Go. In almost all the chapters in the book of First and Second Thessalonians, every one of them you will see the apostle say one or two sentences or say one or two words in relation to the second coming of Christ. That's why I believe that is the most eschatological of all his books. Go to verse chapter 3, 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12 to 13. May the Lord increase you more and more and abound to you, one another and to all, just as we do to you, verse 13, so that he may establish your heart blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. At the coming. Please take note, the number of times the word coming, the coming of the Lord Jesus, heaven, are referred to. Go to First Thessalonians 4, 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that who are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord, we who are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who are asleep. We who are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord. That's eschatology, at the coming of the Lord. Let's move on. First Thessalonians chapter 5. This is what we read earlier. First Thessalonians chapter 5. But concerning the times and the season, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes. The day of the Lord or the coming of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. I want to encourage you to walk through these readings with me because it's very important. Like I told you earlier, I would have wished that we were in church together. So I take time one after the other to help you appreciate the truth 
about the second coming of Christ. But as it be, you are in your rooms, you are in your homes, you are thinking about it, you are reading about it, you are hearing all kinds of things about it. And as your pastor and shepherd, I believe I have a responsibility to help you gain clarity over this matter and prepare yourself properly for the coming of the Lord. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, so you see, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 all the way to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, every chapter has something to say. Sometimes, multiple times, about the second coming of the Lord. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 7 to 10. And to give you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. When he is revealed or he appears or he returns with his mighty angels from heaven. In a flame, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure that that should calm your heart. Most of the time, those of us who are even born again, when we think about the, the return of the Lord or the coming of the Lord, because we've not been taught right, it usually exudes fear. But if you are born again and you are in a relationship with the Lord, the coming of the Lord, like I said earlier, should make you joyful and excited that you are going to meet your bride. Look at it. He says, in a flaming fire, he will appear with his angels in a flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know the Lord. So when he comes, he's not coming to execute vengeance on you. For you who is born again, you know him, you are born again, you have a living relationship with him. There is no challenge for you. And on those who do not obey the gospel. So if you are not walking in consonance with God's word, you are not, you have not yielded your life to Christ and he's not Lord over your life, then you have a problem. But if you are in a relationship with him, you know him, you're born again and you are walking in obedience to his word. The Bible said there's no challenge for you. Look at that. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his and from the glory of his power. So there are people when he comes, everlasting punishment is going to be theirs, but not for those who know the Lord and are born again. Take note of that. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints, you should be excited about that. He's coming to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1 and two. Now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto him. The word gathering together has to do with ecclesia or the called out assembly that belongs to God. He says, concerning these matters, look at what Apostle Paul says. He said, now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus and our God, I don't want you to be shaken in your mind or troubled. I told you earlier. I don't want you to be shaken in your mind. He doesn't want to be shaken or troubled or either by the spirit or by the word or by letter or, or as if from us or as though the day of the Lord had already come. He says, 
as when it comes to the matters of the coming of the Lord, you should not be troubled. I know that sometimes people, sometimes as a pastor, I receive uh, WhatsApp videos of people who say they went to heaven and the rapture happened and this person and that person. This is what Apostle Paul is talking about. He said, when you hear things like this, don't be troubled at all. Don't be shaking in your mind. He said, when you hear matters about it, either by the spirit, somebody said, I have a dream, I have this word of revelation, I have that. He said, don't be troubled or be shaken. He said, even if you have the dream coming from us, don't be shaken. Amazing. Come with me to 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10. This service there is almost like I'm reading only to you, but it's important. The foundation must be laid right. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if any will not work, neither should he eat. Now, I read this because it's important. Verse 11, for we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busy bodies. Now, those who are sat with command and exalt through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. Now, the church at Thessalonica was a church that was fully involved and expectant of the second coming of Christ. And they were so expectant to the extent that some of the people, some of the brethren actually refused at a point to work. So they said, ah, the Lord is going to come soon. Why do we need to work? Why do we need to worry ourselves? Anytime, any moment, he will come. And so, let's just uh, uh, not work and stay at home and just eat. Just like some people are falsely teaching. That's what they used to do. They decided not to work. And Apostle Paul wrote back to them that, listen, if anybody will not work, he should not eat. Because when they failed to work, after waiting one year, two years, and the Lord was coming, they, they became burdens. And Paul wrote to them and said, listen, these people, are, they've taken, they've understood the second coming of Christ wrongly. And that's why I'm taking time to walk you through these things I'm going to be sharing with you so that you know the most appropriate way. You don't fall into the trap or become a victim of the same things that the, some of the Thessalonian Christians fell victims to. Not working, just sitting down and say you are waiting for the coming of the Lord. Listen, Jesus can come tomorrow. He may also come in a thousand years from now. That's why you need to live responsibly. Thinking or expecting the coming of the Lord should not make you become an irresponsible Christian. That's not what the second coming of the Lord is all about. And that is what in this teaching I'll be taking time to walk you through. There are a few things. Four important things Apostle Paul relates the return of the Lord to. One, he relates it to our salvation. He relates it to our salvation. When you get born again as a child of God, you must understand that the world is not your ultimate destination. So, I believe that once these guys came to faith, Apostle Paul wanted them to have the right focus. Because in as much as we should not just be focusing on heaven, 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 until the, to the point that we no longer live meaningful lives on it, it's also important that we don't lose sight of heaven. Heaven is our ultimate place. So Apostle Paul said, now that you are born again, verse 9, he said, for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we have to you, and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living God and true God. So they turned from idols and they came to serve God. And verse 10, verse 10, he says, 
and to wait for his son from heaven. When you are born again, you turn from uh, idols and you are become a servant of Christ. And one of the things a true child of God does is that a child of God waits in cautious anticipation for the second coming of Christ. So it's important. And I'll come back to the word wait. Then number two, Apostle Paul relates the second coming of Christ to service. When we think about the fact that Christ will return, one of the things that should motivate us to do is to serve. Is to serve. When you think about the fact that Christ will come, that is the time you must put your energy, your resources, your money into the kingdom of God to advance the kingdom of God. Look at what Apostle Paul says. He said, when he comes, what is our hope when he comes? What is going to be our source of joy when he's come? What is going to be our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? So, the source that you brought into the kingdom of God, your service that you rendered to God, the souls that were established in Christ on your account, the souls that your money brought into God, the souls that your investment in the kingdom of God established. Paul is saying that at the coming of the Lord, that is going to be your source of joy, your, so, your crown of rejoicing, and then your source of hope. So, what it simply means is that when you think about the coming of the Lord, you should be moved to want to serve. So first, he relates it to salvation. Second, he relates to service. And then number three, Apostle Paul relates the second coming of Christ to stability. The need for us to have stable relationship with God. Some of us are on and off. Our work with God is not straight. Today we are up, tomorrow we are down. Paul says, when you think about the fact that Christ is coming back, you should have a stable relationship with him. He says, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. Verse 13. And so that he may establish your hearts, blameless in holiness, before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his sins. Your heart may be established. That your heart may be established. So stability. Stability. Seek to know God better. Seek to get close to God. Seek to be rooted in your work with God. Seek to have a solid relationship with God. While we wait. And then of course. He relates it to sorrow. Sorrow. And this particular aspect has to do with comfort. Comfort for those who may have lost their loved ones. Maybe in this COVID-19 season, unfortunately, you may have lost a loved one. I pray that that never happens to you. But just in case someone distant or somebody far off you has lost somebody who is close. If the person was saved, you don't have to worry. Look at what Apostle Paul said. Concerning the second coming, he said, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. Concerning those who have fallen asleep. Amazing. When a person dies in Christ, he's not dead. He falls asleep. When you fall asleep, it means that when it's time, we just wake you up or you wake up. So, those who are saved in Christ and are dead, in the natural, spiritually, they are asleep. When Christ returns, they are going to wake Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. In other words, when you lose a loved one, one of the reasons why you should not be sorrowful, you should not be uh, so grieving to the extent that like unbelievers is because for unbelievers, when they die, there's no hope for them. 
For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Amazing. So in Jesus, we sleep. It should excite your heart. In Jesus, we don't die. We sleep. And he says, if there's anybody around you, this he wrote specifically to comfort those who have lost loved ones in the church at Thessalonica. He wrote it to them and said, listen, what it has to do with the loss of your loved ones because they were concerned about what will happen to their loved ones, those who are dead. When Christ comes, what is going to happen? This church was very fixated about the coming of the Lord. And they were concerned about so many things, including what will happen to their loved ones who are dead already. Who are dead already. Apostle Paul said, for them, don't worry about them. As long as they slept in the Lord, something is going to happen. Go to verse 15. For this we say to you, by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who are asleep. Amazing. Look at the, those, the, the phraseology there. The way Apostle Paul phrased. That means that even Apostle Paul felt that the, the day of the Lord was going to come and meet him. He says, for this we know by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain. So Paul expected to remain when Jesus came back. But now he's dead and gone and Jesus has not come back. That's why you cannot put your life on hold because you are anticipating the second coming of the Lord. Every generation in time past, particularly in era of pandemics and in era of plagues, they have always sought to find solace in the coming of the Lord. Because when everything is fine, we don't, we don't seem to want to think about what is in the afterlife for us. But when we are troubled and we have challenges, those are the times that people now begin to look towards the coming of the Lord. But the truth of the matter is that if you study scripture closely, you realize that the coming of the Lord will come at a time where everything is normal. It's not likely that Jesus may even, I mean, he could come in this season. But when you read scripture closely, you realize that he's more likely to come at a time where everything is normal. Where you least expect. That's why you must stay ready at all times. So we see that Apostle Paul relates from here. He says, for this we say to you, by the word of the Lord, that those who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17. Ah. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Praise the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So, when we think about the coming of the Lord, we should be comforted because it's going to be a great time of reunion with any one of us who have lost any loved one in Christ. It's going to be a time of reunion. You are not to sorrow about it. When you think about it, it should not bring sorrow. It should not bring anxiety. It should not be panic. No. The coming of the Lord, like we have seen, Apostle Paul relates it to four major things. One, he relates it to the salvation, our salvation, which is the first S. He relates it to our service. He relates it to our stability. And then he relates it to how we relate with sorrow, how we must deal with sorrow. I trust that this brief uh, introduction has been a blessing to you. I told you that 
this is not going to be a one-off teaching. And I'm going to continue in, in the rest of our meetings. And I trust that you will make time and follow me. But I want to encourage you to spend some time. Read the first book of Thessalonians. It's just five chapters. And the second book of Thessalonians, which is also five, uh, three chapters. Those are the two letters Apostle Paul wrote. When you read First uh, Timothy, Second Timothy, and the first, first and second Thessalonians, you find that the apostles spent some time speaking about events of the last days. And I trust that what I'm sharing with you will be a great blessing to you, to enlighten you, and it will help you to gain a better perspective as it regards to the events of the last days. May the Lord, the Lord richly bless you. The broadcast is going to be on tomorrow. It's the second day of our fresh fire week, and I'm going to continue with this uh, teaching. I want you to share it with friends, family, get them to tune in and be blessed. Maybe you watch the broadcast and you are not born again. The second coming of the Lord is something that will happen for real. If you are not born again, you don't have any hope in it. You want to give your life to the Lord? Just pray this simple prayer of faith with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to be saved. I've heard your word. I believe that you are a sinner. I'm a sinner. I confess that Christ died for me and rose again. With my heart, I believe. With my mouth, I confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your own. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer, you are saved. You are bound for the rapture. You are blessed. Send us a, a mail. Send us a WhatsApp. Let's get in touch with you. Guide you in your walk with God. The Lord bless you. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. It's a season of fasting and prayer. And I want to encourage you to fully engage. Let's pray for our nation. Continue to pray for the nations of the world. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Till I see you tomorrow then, the Lord bless you. Stay knowing that you are deeply loved. Let's Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of this message and other messages as well as books by Pastor Afuakwa, please call 0540-122-670 or email us at faithhousechapel at yahoo.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also visit our website at www.faithhousechapel.com for any further information. Log on and be part of our power-packed online services live every Sunday for our celebration service at 9am and every Wednesday for our discovery service at 7pm on Facebook and YouTube using the handle Faith House Charismatic Chapel International. God richly bless you. Yeah.